The Pinball Network is online. Launching Pinball Innovators and Makers Podcast. Hi, and welcome to the Pinball Podcast focused on the innovators and makers who are crafting homebrew, custom, and retheme pinball machines, the technology that makes these personal projects possible, and the companies helping with these journeys. Custom pinballs are a deeply personal and technically challenging undertaking, requiring time, money, knowledge, and most importantly, the desire to make it happen. I'm Dan Rosenstein, your host. Join me and let's go under the play field and see what's needed to make a custom pinball possible. Hello, pinball innovators and makers. It's episode 10. Thank you for all the support, feedback, and listening. For this episode, we have a pinball maker with a non-traditional story to tell, Jeffrey Jones. Jeffrey, welcome. Why don't you introduce yourself and tell me and the listener how you got your start in pinball? What's your pinball origin story? Hey, Dan. First, I want to say thanks for inviting me to do this. I graduated from high school in 1985, and honestly, I can say that I wasn't attracted to pinball. I was part of the problem for pinball declining. Um, I grew up in the generation where video arcade was the newest, best thing. So uh, I didn't really play pinball until about 12 years ago. My wife and I bought a home. And it had a large basement, and I wanted to put in my my dream home theater. I said I wanted it to be uh, commercial-like. I wanted it to have a candy counter. I wanted it to have a, a popcorn machine. I wanted it to have a Coke machine. And uh, my wife likes to make fun of me, but she goes, remember when you said, <laughs> wouldn't it be fun to have a pinball machine? <laughs> so that's what started it all. My first pinball machine was a $6 million man I bought locally. I think I paid $400 for it. <laughs> it worked mostly. The uh, the save-a-ball uh, uh, mech between the flippers did, didn't work. Um, but, it, but we played it. And then I had problems. I had no experience. I'm, I'm a mechanical engineer uh but no electrical experience and uh decided i probably needed a new uh, a new rectifier board had never soldered before <laughs> <laughs> so bought a new rectifier board put it in didn't work ended up giving up called someone to come fix it for me he came out took took my board away with him came back got it going we played that game for years and then i started digging into the game then i started thinking well I should learn how to clean it up. I should learn how to put new rubber on it. I should fix that center uh, uh, pop-up, uh, you know, savable. So I got my feet wet doing that. It was it was the perfect machine to get started on. But I can remember being afraid to touch the circuit boards. I mean, I just was afraid I was going to break something. So uh, after. We bought that. We bought a comment. Well, actually, actually, before before you go to the yeah, comment, yeah. if you don't mind. Um, so the the fact that you started the six million dollar man and that that story is 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 amazing. You basically just went down the rabbit hole very very slowly and just like as you know as as it needed to happen. 
Um, the nice thing about that six million dollar man is it's it's built right in that time frame as the whole pinball industry is moving from electromechanical to to digital, and so you get first of all it's a fantastic game to play. Um, but you and and in addition to that, you get a play field that's kind of the best of what electromechanical had to offer by that point in terms of mechanisms and robustness. But you have a digital circuit boards which are just coming to to market. But on the other hand, the the code, the capability of them, it's actually pretty nicely primitive, and I don't mean that in a negative way. So, um, did did you feel that you ended like knowing now what you know before you go on for the rest of your journey? Um, do you feel looking back and that that six million dollar man was actually a good a good first purchase? It was a great first purchase, but. I wouldn't buy one again. <laughs> As I got more and more into the hobby, uh, I got, I wanted more and more. And uh, I can remember right before I, I bought it, a neighbor of mine said, hey, there's a guy down the street who collects pinball machines. Oh, cool. So I knocked on his door, introduced myself, told him what I was doing. And I didn't have the lingo, but I said, so I've seen some pinball machines have digital scoring and I've seen some pinball machines have a reel that moves. I said, I don't know which kind to get. He said, well, those are called solid state and electromechanical. And what he said, and some may disagree, if you want to work on it all the time, get an, an electromechanical. Otherwise, <laughs> buy a solid state. Gotcha. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, great. I know nothing about pinball, so I'm getting a solid state. And that's when I found the, the six million dollar man. Got it. So um, then, the, so so so, but in terms of 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 a first machine to kind of get your feet wet, would you say that's a that's a good place to start? Is around that? It was place. a great place to start. It's it's not a real complicated machine. Uh, you know, there aren't ramps. Um, it's fairly simplified, and the boards are fairly simple. Um, it was a great first machine. I I don't regret buying it at all. So, so then you take off to space. I think you were saying Comet before I, I interrupted you and moved you back. So let, let's continue down your journey. And then we bought a Comet, uh, um, uh, the roller coaster theme. And um, the, uh, the play field uh, needed shot. I ended up going a little bit further. I took everything. I took most things off, off the play field. I, I cleaned it, put new rubber on it, brand new plastic set. Um, new ramps weren't available at the time, so it didn't get new ramps. And then as far as the cabinet goes, uh, it wasn't in too bad shape, but it did have some planking going on. So I, not knowing what to do, I got some stain, some black stain, and I, and I filled in all the planking and not taking the coin door off, not taking the rails off. And I, and then I painted on a clear coat to seal it in, you know, it looked pretty good. You know, it's definitely not the right way of doing it. I wouldn't recommend anyone doing it that way now, but it was a good learning experience. And, and sometimes those learning experiences are the way to go. Um, I'd, I'd be the, the I'd be lying if I didn't say that at least one of my machines didn't have black Sharpie on it to, to cover up a blemish and it works. So, you know, you, you do what you got to do. So we, we liked the, uh, the comet. It, it was our first introduction to, uh, to ramps. And we bought an NBA fast break next, and we didn't really like it. And that what that taught me was I looked at the NBA fast break. I watched videos of the NBA fast break. It looked fun, but it taught me that you 
there's more to pinball than just how something looks. It, a feel is a big part of it. So I sold it, and the guy I bought it from had two machines for sale. And I said, hey, is your other machine for sale? He goes, yeah. I said, I sold NBA Fast Break. I want to buy the, the other one. Didn't know anything about it. And it was called Elvira and the Party Monsters. <laughs> Here we go. Now, Elvira and the Party Monsters had a – someone had clear-coated the play field. Someone had put new plastics on it. You know, the, the play field was very, very good. It was missing one of the arches of the ramps, and, there, and I knew there was supposed to be a switch there. So I ended up figuring out how to fix that. But I thought, okay, I'm really enjoying this. I'm starting to get hooked. I'm not hooked yet, but I'm starting to. I'm like, I have a game with a clear-coated play field, beautiful play field, but the cabinet decals were wrinkling. They were faded. Uh, okay, I'm going to uh, learn how to restore a pinball cabinet. And I did. Um, it turned out I was very happy with it. Didn't really make any major mistakes. Um, ended up powder coating it a really bright green, which matched the, the green on, on the game. And I can remember going into a group, I think it was a Facebook group, and said, hey, what do you guys think about this? You know, do, do, you know, and I didn't, I don't do this now, obviously, but uh, I said, you know, do you feel like this helped the value of the machine? And I immediately found out that, uh, <laughs> that people can be fickle. And I had people saying, well, you decreased the value of that machine by half. You know, you did this, you did, did that. So, <laughs> so I'm like, oh, okay. So uh, I ended up trade. Eventually, I ended up trading that machine um, towards a, a a newer stern. Do you and still have the Comet at this point, or you? I don't. You don't. Okay. I don't. the uh, The machine that I have in, in my lineup that's last the longest, and I bought it not too far from this time. I probably bought it close to ten years ago. It was a game that. A local guy was selling. Uh, he had other machines. And my wife went in and we tried it out. I said, what do you think? And she said, I love it. Well, I, my wife is my pinball buddy. You know, I I want her to be happy as, as long as myself, you know. So so um, I said, do you want to buy it? She goes, yeah, let's buy it. I, th I think it's really fun. It's cute. It's got a quirky theme. Um, and it was called Bad Cats. <laughs> and again, I went back into a pinball group, you know, learning my ways to say, hey, I just bought this. What do you think? Oh, that game sucks. That game only has one ball. You should have spent your money on something else. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. You know, I thought I had something that was fun here. I, right. I, guess, I, I, guess, I'm, I guess I'm wrong. Of course, you look at Bad Cats today. And yeah. everyone says just the opposite. Such a great game. Like, I wish I could find one. I wish, and I and I still have it. It's been in my lineup the longest, and it was one of my early full restorations. Not high end restoration like I'm doing now, but it was a full restoration, and uh, it still looks great. It still plays great, and we still love it. So, um, so so keep 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 walking through 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 your journey. So you were talking. I think you were saying something about a stern machine around that time. Well, we traded it. I I knew I wouldn't be able to sell Elvira and the Party Monsters for as much as someone offered to trade an ACDC, uh, what was it called? Uh, ACDC LED? 
Oh, okay. it, it was the LED version. It was this, it was like the Bolt, yeah. what they call Bolt Edition now. Um, traded for that because I knew if we if we didn't like that game, I could sell that game for a, a, a good price faster than I could sell and find the right buyer for the Elvira and the Party Monsters. Yep. And that's what happened. We we played the game for a while. It didn't resonate, and we sold it. And I can't remember what we bought in its place. <laughs> but um, so. Uh, so time goes on. I, I buy more machines. I, 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 I'm learning how to fix them. I, I clean them up. I, I play them for a while. I, I sell them. I get something else. And um, I decide I want to tackle a high-end restoration. I want to see what it entails, what all I have to do, and can I do it now? So, 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 Jeffrey, before you go on, um, can you can you highlight what the difference between a high end restoration in your mind at this point, not not as it is right now, but back when you went to go tackle this, what's the difference between a high high end restoration and what you've been doing up until this point? My definition of a high end restoration is every nut bolt screw. Everything comes off. Every every inch of the machine is polished, shined, replaced, fixed. Um, there's nothing that's avoided. The uh, play field is replaced with new. It's re- it's uh, it's restored. It's clear coated. Um, it gets new plastics. It gets new targets if, 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 if available. Um, the boards are serviced. Uh, everything is gone through. Um, it's it's been put back into as new or better condition than it was you know back in in the, the day fantastic and know, definition and i know people had different definitions on restorations and i and I, I wish as a community we could come up with a better definition because one person will say i restored this machine and what they mean is i wiped it down and put some new rubber on it <laughs> and one person will have put ten thousand dollars worth of parts and and uh and uh and you know powder coating or chrome or whatever into a machine and say i restored this machine now in my opinion neither one of those is really accurate uh i think a lot of people's definition of restored is back to factory like so when people like me restore air quotes a machine and we put chrome on it and we put a new play field on it and we maybe add a few mods or add uh, uh, LEDs. Um, I wish we had a better word for that than restore. Fair, totally fair. But for the purpose of this interview, we have a good definition, working definition of high restoration. So you decide that you want to go go down this route. What happens? Right. So I decide I do not want to attempt this on the Tales of the Arabian Nights or Indiana Jones. Yeah, I want to find a fun but inexpensive game to try it. That way, if for some reason things go south, so I bought a police force. It was it was players quality. Uh, it uh, it worked. It had a few issues. Um, but I went through it, every everything. I, I learned how to restore the, the play field. I replaced uh, the inserts. I clear-coated it with, with, with 2K automotive clear coat. Um, I learned how to touch up uh, the artwork. I've gotten better now, but that's not my expertise. Um, but I went through everything, and um, I was really, really proud of it. And, um, and then as 
most of my machines go. It didn't stand the test of time, and I end up selling it and getting something else. And but, the person, the person you sold it to, yeah. did they appreciate the level of restoration work and effort that you put into it? Um, or was it they were looking for a police force? They were just looking for a pinball machine. Like what? How, how did how did their what they got and what they expected and what you did match or mismatch? I don't remember a lot <laughs> about about the situation, but I do know that the guy who bought it was putting it on location at some kind of ski resort. So I think he was looking for something that had been totally gone through and was, was going to be dependable. Yep. Okay. And I actually, I actually have contacted him in, you know, years later and said, Hey, I'm just kind of curious, you know, how, how's it gone? And he's gone, had to adjust the switch or something <laughs> minor. But other than that, it's been, and he still has it. Jeff, Jeffrey Jones delivers a, a quality <laughs> restoration. So, so you sell you sell the the, the police force. By the way, um, but you, you had just as an aside, you mentioned uh, NBA fast break and police force, two of my absolute favorite machines. But that's that that's not here nor there. Um, so where where do you go from here? Okay, so where do we go from here? So I I restore this machine. I'm happy with it, and now I'm getting the bug. <laughs> now I'm getting to the point where I. I'm really enjoying having really nice machines in my lineup. So I start restoring other machines of mine and I can't, I don't really have a list together, but um, no worries. But I, uh, I restored a whirlwind for us. My wife and I, uh, I've restored a tales of the Arabian nights. Um, I've restored, I think I'm up to about 40 restorations I've done for myself or for other people. Because what, what happened was after I, I had restored probably my third or fourth game for myself, I was really proud of it. And I would go on uh, uh, a Facebook group and say, hey, check this out. And then I had a buddy of mine say, hey, I've got this getaway. That's a piece of junk. I, I He goes, well, actually, he still tells me to this day i can't believe you sold that beautiful police force but i want this getaway to look like your police force did <laughs> so i said fine I, he's a, a neighbor of mine too you know good, a good friend so i said great i said this is an opportunity for us to work together let's let's do this restoration together so we we tear it apart and we are sanding it down and, and we, we're, we're we're getting all the cabinet ready and um, then all of a sudden, the news is talking about this thing in, in uh, called COVID. <laughs> so uh, all of a sudden, we can't work together or shouldn't work together. So we, we don't. And I am doing the whole restoration by myself. <laughs> at, at least you got time on your hands. I had plenty of time on my hands. <laughs> so, but he lo he has this game to this day. He plays it almost every day. He 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 loves it. Um, he uh, he's just so proud to have it. And I, I'm glad he's proud to have it. It's it, it really turned out well. So, um, but then as I had another friend say, hey can you restore a game for me? I'm like, yeah, I guess so, you know? And then as I got more and more restoration under my belt, then I started having people who I had, didn't know contact me and say, Hey, I've been seeing your work. You're doing some great work. Can you do one for me? 
Now, keep in mind, I, I work full time as an engineer for uh, for the the Navy. I'm 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 not uh, part of the Navy. I'm I'm a civilian, but uh, I have a full time job. Right. So this is a hobby. So, and, and you and you have a wife, and like you've got you've got and friends. I, I have kids. Right? Exactly, exactly. It's a hobby. <laughs> so, but yeah, I'm like I can I can do that for you. You know, what do you want, and and what can I do, and and before I knew it, I had at least one game in my and I have since then and to this day, I've had at least one machine in my workshop from a, a client. I'll just call them a, a client. And not not necessarily a friend or a family member or uh, you know someone who's contacted me. And like right now, I have a Terminator Two and an Indiana Jones, you know, Williams Indiana Jones in my workshop. Perfect time uh, to have an Indiana Jones in your workshop. <laughs> <laughs> my wife and I bought an Indiana Jones for ourselves uh, about six months ago. Um, she was like, "Hey, our last name is Jones, and we live in Indiana." Don't you think we should have an Indiana Jones in our I, I, lineup? <laughs> I believe you are the Indiana Jones then. <laughs> <laughs> so we bought one. So uh, so we're up to I'm doing restoration for, for people now. So I decide, look, I'm I'm I try to be humble. I'm I I I have never felt like I know everything. I'm always learning about restorations. I'm always trying to better my processes or better how I do something. But I thought, I know quite a bit, so it might be fun to create a hobby name and start a Facebook page and just kind of sh- keep people up to date with what I'm, what I'm doing. You know, I might have 50 people want, interested in watching that, you know. So I started a, a, a hobby business name called Pinball Reborn. And I started that in 2019. So about what's that been about four years ago, I I never thought it would take off, but I I have just under a thousand followers now, which I know is peanuts to, compared to some people and, and and their channels. But I'm very humbled that a thousand people want to watch what I'm doing. So 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 on on, on that, um, first of all, you absolutely like it's you're such a humble dude. Um, you deserve you deserve credit on this. Like the stuff you put up there, I've actually been following you for quite some time. I'm one of those, you know, just just about a thousand people. Um, the work you do is absolutely stellar. You've you've talked about it. There's there's pictures, and we'll post a link to the to the site as part of the show notes. Um, and the the fact that you did this as like kind of a a hobby thing. The fact that you're at a thousand for a niche of a niche of a niche of a market, like you're talking about people who care about collecting and restoration and the process of restoration, like that's a that's a serious endeavor and a niche of a niche. And so you being at a thousand people, like look, my the this podcast, you know, it doesn't it doesn't get you know hundreds of thousands of people. It's a it's a niche part of a niche part of a of a of a hobby, and you should definitely definitely be proud of the the thousand you've got. It's pretty awesome, and and I hope after after this podcast. Yes, you'll get you'll get a couple more. Maybe, <laughs> right? I'm having a little bit of a downtime right now, only because i I haven't gotten the full deposit yet for the in, 
Indiana Jones, but as I get deposit my money, I've been ordering parts. So that one hasn't been started yet, mm-hmm. except for part uh, for parts. Uh, the, the, the T2, I sent the playfield out for restoration. I was on a list to get a new playfield in, in Germany, but they kept pushing the date back and pushing the date back. And finally, I, I called the, the owner and said, look, for about the same price, we can probably have this one restored and it'll look every bit as good. So he says, do it. So we had it restored. It's, it's been clear coated, which I didn't do. Um, the guy who did it did an excellent job. Uh, but it still needs to, to cure for one more month. So during the time that that's curing, I don't have any other game I'm restoring, but I do have another game that we will talk about. Yep. But, but, but before we get there, Jeffrey, what, one thing I want to ask, and I want to be respectful that I don't want you to divulge any information you're not comfortable, but there's a line of questioning I want to go through for the listener who might be interested in in their own game restoration before we move on to, to, to the next thing. Um, do you feel that the economics of how much you charge as a hobby and what people are willing to pay for a restoration um, and like are ultimately works out or do you feel that like, and I'm asking this question in two ways, like if you had enough, um, enough people asking you for restoration, would you want to do it? you know, as a, you know, as, as more of a, a thing beyond a hobby, that's question number one. And then question number two is like, I've, I've restored a Gottlieb Magnetron as an example, and it's not, I would like to think of it as a high, high, a, a high end restoration. However, it, it, I, I did not do anything to the playfield other than one little touch up. The playfield looks used, but the rest of the machine, like I went through every part, like you said, polished them, et cetera. Um, so it's let's consider it a first for a first tier high end restoration. But I know I put five times more money into that machine than it'll ever be worth to anybody. Um, and so the the second part of the question is for your customers, um, does it make sense to them from an economics perspective, or is it really an emotional attachment to the machine, which is completely fine? Like I've I've done that with my machines as well. Right. That's a tricky question and i think in my own personal opinion um there definitely has to be a personal attachment to the machine for someone to invest the money it costs i mean yeah. i'll spend and i haven't i haven't recorded my time for a long time but i probably spend 200 to 250 hours on a restoration yeah um it's i've i think the most, I think the T2 may actually be the most expensive machine I've ever, re, I've ever done as far as the restoration goes. I think it's currently. You don't, 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 don't divulge it. Cause you've got a customer okay, with that. Okay, like, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, but it's, it's, ext- it's very typical to spend $5,000 on parts. Yeah. And for a even higher restoration, twice that much is not uncommon. So it, it really, it's, 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 it, it's not an economics thing. It really is a a a labor of love on your side. Although you're you're you know you you deserve to be paid for for your hobby work um and your and your time and your quality, but also for the for the person who's 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 getting their machine restored. It really is an, an emotional attachment they want, and and what they get is a is a like new or even better than new um re- restoration. What what and, what, I, what, and what? I'm not a car person, but it's similar to buying a piece of junk car. Uh, say a 1960s Corvette, say yeah. you might be able to find a piece of junk. And I had, I may be totally off on this, but you might be able to find a piece of junk 
for $5,000. Or you may be able to find the exact same car that's been on a rotisserie and completely gone through for $100,000. This is kind of the same thing. It's, it's, uh, it's really has to have that emotional attachment and it has to be a collector who really wants that in their collection and, yep. and they appreciate the craftsmanship and, and the time and the cost it took to get it to that point. Yeah, your, your analogy is spot on. Um, I, I mentioned in my last episode um, that, and, and the listener may remember, that uh, I have a 1981 DeLorean that I've been converting to an electric car. It's been you know five or six years that I've been working on it. And in that, I'm keeping looking stock. So I'm not actually doing a restoration on it, but I'm just doing the the the, the drive system. And the amount I've spent there, I will never, ever, ever recover for for what that car is gonna, you know, is 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 is, is worth. All right. Um. The and then the the other part of, of of the question, Jeffrey. Um. The the first part is if you had more, um, you know, over time, more customers coming through, would you consider doing pinball restoration as you know, pinball reborn and growing that into a a full time a full time business if the if the economics worked for you. I don't see that ever happening for me. Uh, I am a tenured engineer for the for the Navy. I work for the DoD, sure. and that's my career. That's where my uh, that's where my career is taking me, and that's my retirement blanket. And I don't think pinball, at least for me, would uh, replace that. But after retirement, that <laughs> might be a different. I may give you a different answer in in five years or ten years. So, so maybe, maybe it's pinball reborn. Parentheses after retirement. Maybe. <laughs> All right. Well then. So, with that retirement plan in mind uh, for pinball reborn post retirement in parentheses, um, and you you doing uh, you know high end restorations for yourself and others, where did you go next? Let me back up just a little bit and explain a hobby I had before pinball. So before pinball, I was really into alternative movie posters, screen printed alternative movie posters. And that group of collectors is every bit as crazy as we pinball collectors are. I got so into the, to this hobby that I started saying to myself, there needs to be a, a really cool poster for this Christmas, you know, a uh, Christmas vacation. Christmas is my, my favorite kind of poster to collect, but there weren't any. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go out and find an artist to, to draw one and screen printing's expensive. So I would get a group of collectors together. We would pool our money and this is all fan art, unlicensed fan art. We'd pool our, our money. We would pay the artist. We would pay the printer. I uh, I would buy tubes and paper and and shipping labels. And when everything was all done, I would ship them all all out. We'd have this ultra limited edition cool poster that no one else had. So when I when that started getting tiring, I um, started getting into pinball. So let's now let's move to de- December of 2017. <sighs> My wife sees an ad for a movie on television called The Greatest Showman. It's a musical. I do not like musicals. (laughs) (laughs) This is her thing. So she's like, go see it with me. I'm like, I really don't want to. So she goes and sees it, comes back. 
almost in tears, saying how good it was. So a week or so later, she goes again. Go, go with me. No thanks. I it's it's a musical. It, <laughs> it, it it's gonna suck. <laughs> she comes back again. You you know you've got to go with me next time. Like okay, I'll go. I'll go. If it'll, I almost you know I'm not rude. I didn't say if it'll shut you up. That's kind of how I was feeling. <laughs> So I go see The Greatest Showman with my wife in the in the theater, probably spring of 2018. I said, okay, I get it. <laughs> um, I have honestly can say I have never liked a musical before, but this one struck a chord. This one, it just was done so well, and the music is so good. And my wife and I were so mad that uh, that uh, that Disney or Pixar movie won Best Song and and, and the Greatest Showman didn't. <laughs> but um, so it, my wife's like, "Oh, you've got to find an artist to make a poster for the Greatest Showman." <laughs> and there just happened to be an artist. His name was Alexi Cott, and he lives in Europe somewhere. And he had a really old style uh, feel to his artwork. And I thought, this guy's the perfect artist, but that doesn't mean he'll do one. So I contacted him. He said, well, I've never seen the movie. Let me, let me watch it and see. About a week goes by, he contacts me and says, I'm in. <laughs> so with all, I, I bet I've done 20 or 25 commissions with artists for different movies. Sometimes I have a really good idea for a, a concept. Sometimes I don't. Uh, with The Greatest Showman, the only thing I knew it had to have, I said, this needs to look like an old-fashioned circus poster. Uh -huh. That's really my only re requirement. Other than that, go for it. And he, over many months, came up with this amazing artwork for the greatest showman and i had it printed uh i think we printed it about 50 copies so there aren't very many that exist but it's it's wonderful and one's hanging in my wife's sewing studio um she sees it every day um so as my pinball hobby's taking off and my poster hobby is starting to peter out my wife starts saying you need to do a retheme I'm like, no way. <laughs> Your wife is quite the muse, I must say. <laughs> I'm like, no way. I said, I said, doing a restoration is one thing. It's a lot of work. I said, a retheme, you can't imagine how much more work that has to imagine. I'm like, I just don't have time. I don't, I don't want to tackle that. And she did this for a couple of years. And then last October at Chicago Pinball Expo, the fast pinball people were there mm -hmm. and I had just finished our high-end restoration for our whirlwind, our second whirlwind. Someone heard about, about my first one and said, is it for sale? I said, no, my wife would kill me if I sold that. I said, if, if, I said, we'd have to have crazy money to sell that. Here comes crazy money. <laughs> he offered me crazy money and it left the house. <laughs> <laughs> After a year or so, my wife's like, I want another whirlwind. So I like, well, I, I had to top that that restoration somehow. So I I did rad cows again, which I love, but now Mirko is making mirrored rad cows. Mm -hmm. And since since I put chrome on that that machine, chrome and mirroring 
is so perfect. So I feel like I, I went up to my, my last one. But I had just finished the Whirlwind Restoration. And we go to, and we're enjoying ourselves. And we find ourselves at the Fast Pinball booth. And my wife's eyes are huge. And she's listening and she's talking and she's playing some of the games that are run on, on, on the system. And she's like, let's do it. Let's do it. I said, we know nothing about coding. I said, I have no doubt I can make a machine look beautiful. I said, but I don't want a machine that looks beautiful and then you can't play it or it sucks. I mean, that, I mean, that's, I don't know how to code. And, and Jeffrey, let me, let me interject here. Um, the you know you're you're talking about the fast booth at Expo. I was there as well. Um, you're talking about Aaron Davis and company's booth, and yes. the way that they've got it is that you know they they've got folks there to talk about fast pinball, but they've got a bunch of machines. Some are production machines, some are in concept machines. You know they had a Fathom revisited. They have all kinds of different machines showing off the capability of what fast can do. And so right. there's no surprise to me at all that if you're sitting there talking and she's looking around, she's like, oh, my God, there's a there's an opportunity here. So so she's getting really excited. And I said, if we're going to do a retheme, I want to do at least a System 11 because I heard that uh, Pin Sound was going to be coming out with a board for System 11. And I thought, like, OK, that solves the sound issue. We can put our own sounds in there. I said, we can keep the same rules. We can keep the same scoring as a system 11. There's just one thing we have to overcome, and that is the words that appear on the, on the, on, on the displays. Like, for instance, Whirlwind, it'll say, uh, uh, you know, head for the, sell the seller or, or something. So I thought, well, I can find someone to do that. I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I talked with some board experts and, and they were saying they've looked into it and that, that, that coding is so deep inside those machines that basically you can't change it. I'm like, well, darn, I, I don't really want to do a retheme of an early eighties machine that has, uh, that doesn't have words in my opinion, that's not my cup, a cup of tea. And I had just finished this whirlwind restoration. And I said, okay, let's let's do a retheme. What machine are we going to, uh, to do? And my wife's like, well, which one do you think we should do? I'm like, you're going to not be happy with what I had to say. But I know I just finished the whirlwind. <laughs> and that three-wheel spinner for whirlwind is so unique to whirlwind. But the greatest showman is a circus theme. And if those three rings were the three ring circus, you couldn't ask for a better match. Yeah. And again, her eyes got huge. <laughs> so we said, okay, all right. Now, if we do whirlwind, we're going to have to figure the coding out. And, and her promise to me, and she is going to follow through with this. And she's done some work. Her words were, I will figure the coding out. Wow. I will wow. handle that part. I'm like, okay, let's do it. And 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 my my stepson, her her son, he, by 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 trade, he's a coder. Mm -hmm. Now we have not asked for his help, but I have a feeling that once we get to that point, we may be asking for some help. Oh my God! So I, I can't. That that that's amazing. That not only did she push you to 
to to do this and 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 support you with 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 how much you excel at at at, at what you do. But then then she said she would do the coding, which was the part that would get you over the hump to actually yeah. do it. That's 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 amazing. <laughs> I learned a long time ago that uh, you don't challenge my wife. A little, <laughs> a, a little side story. I used to scuba dive when I first met her. And I was like, you need to do this with me. She was, she was I don't like having my face in the water. Well, I don't like roller coasters, but she loves roller coasters. And she's like, you need to do this with me. I got to the point where I said, okay, all right. I know how to shut her up. The day you learn how to scuba dive is the day I will ride roller coasters. That week she signed up for scuba lessons and she ended up getting licensed and we ended up diving together. That's and awesome. I and I ended up riding roller coasters, not a whole lot, but I did. I did do it. <laughs> <laughs> and you got a common theme pinball, so you yes. know. <laughs> um. So so you so you go you go the route of greatest showman. She's she's planning on doing coding. Maybe your your stepson is gonna is gonna help, but you haven't asked him yet. And so and and you you're you're looking at this whirlwind, which you just finished restoring for the second time. A whirlwind. What what happens next? So we decide whirlwinds it. So I said, okay, we need to find the perfect whirlwind. Uh, we not the find... one you, not the one you just restored. No, 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 no. That one I was not gonna scrub off artwork on a brand new, a high-end restored whirlwind. So we need to find the perfect machine. You know, the a machine that's a piece of junk is the ideal machine, but it's whirlwind. It's a popular machine, and um, that's really difficult to find. And um, so I ended up finding on Pinside. I ended up finding a machine that was a decent price it wasn't a steal or anything but it was it was a decent price so i made a deal with the guy I gave him a 200 dollars deposit and the very next day someone local contacted me and said are you still looking for a whirlwind and i'm thinking i just gave this guy money for a <laughs> deposit I, i'm thinking i can't i can't be that guy right i've got a whirlwind and this is a guy that used to be in the hobby heavy Mm-hmm. And he ended up having family and and kids and and he got out of the, out of the hobby. I've got a whirlwind. He says it's been in my storage unit for 15 years. Oh my god! I was gonna restore it. I sent the playfield off to be restored. Uh, it was a well-known name. I don't remember the the person's name today. No worries. But I've got the playfield back. It's been clear coated, sitting, you know, been curing hardening for 15 years. Uh, it's never never had a ball on it. And uh, he g- gives me a price that is, say, fifteen hundred dollars or so less than this other machine. Oh my God! And but the machine is in boxes. It hasn't been restored. Um. I've restored two whirlwinds. I, I know how to put a whirlwind back back together. Um, I contact the guy and say, look, I the, the, the first deal I found, I said, I found a local machine. I don't want to be, be that guy. I will follow through with my deal if you want me to. Um, if you say it's okay, I want you to keep my deposit. He goes, I understand. And he kept the deposit and i bought the, the one the one local good for you and it, was, for it really you. was the perfect machine um i was able to sell the play field to go towards the cost because i didn't need right uh, i didn't need that uh, that uh, that play field and um so i started diving in uh well, well first of all 
we're not made of money, so I'm like, which machine in our lineup are we going to sell to fund this? And we we both agreed it was Jurassic Park by by Stern. So we sold our Jurassic Park to fund this entire project. Ha ha ha! <laughs> <laughs> it funded part of it. <laughs> uh, it's uh, this doing a retheme is quite expensive. There's quite a bit to it, a lot more to it. Like I said, than than a restoration. Um, with with a restoration, you clean and repair the wiring harness and reuse it. With the with one of these, you buy all new wire and make your own wiring harness and and connectors and everything. So so um. So so I contact Alexi Cott, who did the art. So now I'm, now I'm looking for an artist. I, I'm not an artist. I, I'm, I'm creative. And I can, I, I've done lots of art directing with these, these private commissions I've run. And I do have good ideas and I have bad ideas, but I, I work well with artists. So uh, I'm looking for an artist. So I contacted Alexi Cott, who did this amazing poster for me. I said, hey, do you care if I use the artwork? On this machine as long as you're not going to mass produce it and sell it that's fine are you interested in in making more artwork for it no interesting <laughs> nope i'm too busy can't can't do it fine so i'm so i'm looking for art and i contact some of the artists i've, I've worked with all of them say that doesn't sound like it's for me so now i'm getting frustrated i'm getting a little bit desperate i go on fiverr.com and i start poking around and i find some people who say they're interested and i find find one who says says she's very interested and i send her the artwork that alexi uh, had made and and then it goes nowhere well a buddy of mine who's been in in the pinball mod business somehow i'm not sure exactly how it happened he contacted me and said hey you ought to be using this other artist that I've used. Um, his name's um, uh, Jay French. I'm like, I've never heard of Jay French. I don't know. You know don't, don't know Jay French. He goes, yeah, contact him and see if he's interested. I'm like, okay. But first I went to his website. I wanted to check out his artwork. Because I've worked, worked with enough artists. I know that um, you know, not all artists are have the right style that, right. that you're, you're looking for. And I was I was kind of impressed. He, his artwork was great, um, and um, contacted him. And he, he goes, "This sounds like a lot of fun." <laughs> so um, I start giving him concepts and ideas and things. And, and the first thing we work on is the cabinet artwork for, for you know for the greatest showman. And uh, he incorporates Alexi's artwork in into the cabinet, and then also in, you know, adds his own flair too. And I would never badmouth anyone who ever does a retheme. I know how much work it is, but I also know how difficult the artwork is, and mm -hmm. and the, having the right artist and and some, in my opinion, some some people don't find the right artist. I feel like, and maybe I'm biased, but I feel like I, I found the right artist. I got very lucky, and Jay's been knocking it out out of the ballpark so i did the cabinet first because the cabinet artwork was 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 ready first and um fixed the cabinet and painted it and put the the, the decals on and and uh so 
Jay and I have been working on um, plastic artwork, translate artwork, um, drop target artwork, you know, everything, you know, speaker panel artwork, everything else that's 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 needed. He recently finished all the artwork up for the Greatest Showman for things that need to be manufactured. Mm-hmm. Now, my wife has looked a little bit into the coding, and she has gotten far enough along that she's ready to start uh, assigning like switch numbers and coil numbers. But and I gave her a list of those numbers. Well, not ever have done this before i realized that the random order i gave her was not necessarily the right order so (laughs) i told her to stop i said let me get everything wired up and then i can tell you exactly where everything's wired to so she's put that on hold for uh, for now um i currently uh, i'm working with a guy uh, in brazil who, who who makes pinball plastics and translates and all that stuff and he just emailed me yesterday and said uh, everything's been manufactured. He's sent me pictures. Oh my god! And they're, and they're on their way. And I said, "Cool. How long does it take to get here from Brazil? Two to four weeks." I'm like, oh. <laughs> so, 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 Jeffrey, uh, before we go any further, I want to, I want to uh, uh, roll back a little bit on, on on a couple of things. Um, so you got the whirlwind um from from the sky local. Um, you sell the play field. Um, and then, uh, and, and you liked aspects of the whirlwind playfield for the greatest showman theme. So, what did you do to? So, first question is, what did you do to populate or create the playfield that you are using or are going to be using? What's what's your plan there? So, I have an original playfield that was trashed for for whirlwind from one Got of my it. previous restorations. So I decided to sand it off and to clear coat it myself, and and that's that's acting as my test playfield. So I'm mounting everything to that. I mean, called a white wood. That's, that's what. There's no artwork on it. So, so you have a clear coated white wood. Yes, which is awesome. <laughs> All right. Um. So so the the next question is you had mentioned that um, uh, you're you're not using an existing wire harness. You're building your your own wiring. Right. Um, what is the help? Help me and the listener understand why you're not able to use the whirlwind wire harness and need to need to go create your own. Well, everything is wired differently. Um, the fast boards, and again, I'm still learning on this. Ah, so you are you are all those those are my next question. You are yes, you are using yes. the fast boards. We did buy the fast board system, and they seem to be similar to. A stern, a stern setup where they are are nodes and they communicate through through a cat a cat five. Yep. And um, so all the switches and and uh, and coils of a of a harness from a from a whirlwind they all go to inside the back box. Well, most of the wires, well, in fact, all of the wires, uh, sorry, the switches and coils go to node boards that are mounted under the playfield. So the wiring is totally different, and also fast has recommend recommendations on what colors to use for certain things now one thing they recommend which i understand this makes it a little more difficult but i understand it switches they want you to use orange wire with the ground being purple 
people. Mm -hmm. So every switch gets an orange wire, not orange with blue and orange with yellow and orange with red, you know, all orange. Well, now you have to really track down how you've wired these and where they, and where they go because they're all the same color wire. Right. But they do, but they they recommend that so that if or when you have problems in the future, you can send a picture. And, and if you follow their, their their color code, they know exactly how you've wired it and can easily find the error. Of course, I'm going to make no errors, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> because the, we, we never make mistakes. No, um, no. The the um, okay. So that explains the wire harness point, and that explains the 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 play field. Awesome. All right. Um, and so 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 keep 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 going with your story. So the only thing I'm using from the original whirlwind is I use the cabinet. Uh, I use some of the armor. Um, as far as the playfield goes, it's basically all the top side and bottom side metal. The mechs, uh, the metal uh, uh, ball guides, uh, the wire form ramps, um, things that are specific to Whirlwind. If if someone, and I still have all the parts for the, the Whirlwind, I'm looking for a buyer. I haven't found the right one yet, but I don't, I don't really want to split everything up because if somebody really wanted to put together a whirlwind, if they found a populated play field, they would have everything they need, except they would need a, a cabinet. Mm -hmm. Understood. So in, so, so, so that, that brings one half of the max. What about um, custom max for the, for, for, for the greatest showman? What are you, uh, what are you thinking there? What's the process you're using to, to 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 get those so the only changes i've made to geometry or mix is i have added an auto shooter <laughs> and i changed the ball the system 11 ball trough to a wpc6 ball trough and i had to cut out the wood some and again, this test playfield has been great for this because I, I needed to make sure the geometry was, was going to work. And it seems like it's working great. Um, so, I've, I, so I have a six ball trough in a System 11 playfield and an auto sh shooter, which wasn't there. And the only other difference I can think of right now is the, the plastic that is near the shooter lane. I extended that to go over the shooter lane because I'm going to be putting an elephant there. <laughs> so. As as it should be. Yes. Um so I've uh, no, uh, so so a, a couple of things. I've I've gone through the the pictures you posted on Strictly Customs as well as Pinball Reborn. And um a couple of things absolutely stand out during your build. Number 1, the level of like the the pic and the pictures actually I, I don't think they do you justice, but they at least start to broach doing you justice. The way that you do wiring, the way that you do polishing of, of parts, the way that like the way things present themselves, a pride and craftsmanship is, you know, that your, your caliber of your pride and craftsmanship is absolutely there. And you're wiring your electrical layout. It, you like, you look at it and you go, wow, that's, that's neat. And not neat like the cool way. Like, I mean, it is for those of us who enjoy that type of thing, but what I, by neat, I mean, it is, it is elegantly laid out. You've, you've given this thought, you've given it care. 
every wire is in the right place. It's zip tied at the right place for this to be, you know, and I can only imagine what your, what your, what, what your restorations look like for yourself and for your customers. Um, so, so I want to, I want to give you kudos on that. And I want, Thanks. you know, the, 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 the listener should definitely check that out. Um, I noticed also that um, you had, and actually the way that I first connected with you is you have a power strip um, that's that 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 that's inside the machine. Um, why, why don't you talk a little bit about like what what else you're doing to the machine beyond um, what was there as part of Whirlwind or as part of the fast boards that you're putting in? So I I did the power and the wire management for power first as far as the cabinet goes as far as uh, populating the cabinet and a lot of the things you plug in like your monitor you i've i've lighted speakers um i have a an amplifier for the speakers uh, there are other things too but uh uh but anyway, a lot of these things come with their own transformers, you know, those big boxes on, on the end of the cord. And I thought, okay, so I'm, I'm trying to think this through and I'm like, I don't, I don't really want to hack up all these wires and then tap into say the, the 12 volt power supply multiple times to, uh, to uh, get these things power. I thought, well, I would rather just plug it all in. And my cabinet bottom was so warped when it sat on my garage floor, it would rock. So it had to, it had to get a brand new bottom. And a, a buddy of mine is a woodworker helped me put a brand new bottom in it. And when we did that, I did not cut out the hole for the power switch. And I decided I'm not going to do that because this is going to be home use. I, I really hope to take it to shows when, when it's done. But it's going to be home use. I, I I I can open it up and turn the power on on the inside if I de- if I de- decide to. But I found a power strip on Amazon. I believe it's six uh, plugins, and every plugin has its own switch for that particular plug. And then there's a, there's a main power switch that turns them all off and on. I thought, wow, this is a great solution. And not only is this a great solution, but if I need to turn off the 48-volt power supply by itself, this allows me to do that. Exactly. I don't, ha- I don't have to unscrew anything or take any wires off or, or add any quick disconnects in between. Uh, so, And then I, I did this in reading on the, uh, the, the power strip, and it has a 15-amp breaker. I'm like, oh, cool. It has its own, own, own breaker. I'm like, wait a minute. These games were recommended eight amp, so I put in an inline eight amp fuse <laughs> before the power strip. So at least it's got the proper fuse for right. what the system needs. So and, and oh. then figuring out how to mount this thing was a bit of, of a challenge. Um, it's got the I'm not sure what it's called. It's got got the two uh, slots on the, on the back of it that you put, and like those always are loose and flint. You know they just. So I, from another project, I had a, uh, a piece of uh, angle aluminum that was, I think, three by three inch. It was big stuff. And I looked at it, and I thought, that might work. So I, I, I 
started doing some measurements and things. And what I did was I took two-part epoxy and I glued the entire power strip to a piece of that angle aluminum. And then I drilled holes in the angle aluminum to mount it to the cabinet. And it is sturdier. It's not going anywhere. It's perfect. I'm really, really happy with the, with that solution. It was not what Fast recommended. I've never seen anyone else do it. But I really hope the future proves me successful in that. I um years ago, uh, uh, I built a, a arcade machine, a main, a main machine, and um, I have a true CRT monitor in there. It was like one of the goal. One of the things I really wanted was I wanted a CRT, not a um, not not an LCD or a flat flat panel. Um, or it, it is a it is a true CRT, almost pure flat panel. Um, and in order to make the whole thing work, I have a Bluetooth connection to it from the from the PC. And when the main power switch is is kicked over, it sends a Bluetooth signal to the power cord, shuts down all of the external uh, uh, equipment. It's similar to, to what you have, although yours is individually controlled for power. Um, and will give a two minute delay before it actually shuts power completely off. Um, giving the CRT time to actually discharge the capacitors before it, it it comes down. So I I totally get it. Like you don't always go with the with the standard way of doing it, but you know it it does it does meet the need for for the project. Um, you know we 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 talk about going under the playfield on this podcast, and we've we've been talking about that for you know for 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 good 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 portion of the show. But I actually want to talk about going behind the back box for a second because you did something. What 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 really caught my eye and the attention of a number of other people is you did something really ingenious and simple when you look at it. But I don't think anybody's ever done it before. At least I'm not not aware. So I don't mean to 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 negate others others work. On you have a monitor in your back box. Why don't you talk about what that monitor is for and how you made it so that you could access your board set and your controls that are behind that monitor within your within Greatest Showman? I have to give all kudos to Jersey Jack Pinball for this. Uh, I I knew I, I wanted to do whatever I could to make the Greatest Showman not look like a whirlwind. And to back up a little bit, I had Mirko make me a, a custom playfield, and I, I'm using uh, I'm using color changing LEDs for all of all the control lights, so he, they were able to make me a playfield for Whirlwind uh, with all clear inserts. Whirlwind normally has red, some some are red and some are green and some are orange, and and then also the the compass inserts right there near the below the the uh, spinners and above the flippers those compass inserts are really really unique to to whirlwind and i really didn't want them there so he let them out <laughs> <laughs> which worked out great that's awesome so um but i knew i wanted i knew i wanted it to be different from a whirlwind so i wanted an lcd screen and I was like, I don't know. First, I was thinking, how do you mount? I went on, on Amazon looking for different kind of mounts. And then I, I knew I, I didn't have much room between the back of the back box and where the glass goes. And I just happened to find one that's, that pulls out and swivels similar to what a Jersey Jack does. Mm -hmm. And um, so far, I think it's going to work well. I had to tighten everything down really tight so that it doesn't move. But so far, I think it's going it's, it's to work well. Yeah, and, and, and then and, also it, it allows me it allows me to um, 
I have all the power supplies and boards and things uh, are behind the monitor because there's like a two or three inches back there. So, so and it just you need to get back there. You just swivel it out, just like a TV mounted on the wall. Super simple solution to to hard problem. Um. So so at this point, Jeffrey, what what do you see as next? You you talked about going to shows. Um. Any chance you'll be at Pinball Expo? Yes, there's a chance. There's no chance this October. <laughs> uh, I even had uh, um, Robert Burke contact me a few weeks ago saying, you're going to bring that, bring that to Chicago, aren't you? I'm like, absolutely, someday. <laughs> but uh, my wife and I have a goal to have the test play field flipping and maybe being able to play the world's most boring pinball. Every target's worth 100 points, and when the ball drains, it goes to the next ball. Most boring, no rules, just that's all it does. No sound, no anything. That's our goal. Um, and and when, when, when is that goal for? By the end of the summer. Okay. So so there is, a, is there any chance that it could be at Expo with the, the very basic gameplay that you were talking about? Not this October, no. Not this October, okay. No, it just, I, I still have wiring to do. Um, I, uh, uh, it has a long way to go. To to totally fair. Um, well, look, I, I, I will be at Expo. Um, you should, uh, you know, I, I definitely hope you're at Expo, regardless of whether the machine is there. Um, we're going to be doing a lot for, uh, for, for Expo for Customs and Homebrews. Um, and we've already started posting on, on Strictly Custom Pinballs. Uh, to 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 get community support and get folks involved in the planning. Um, and so even if you're, you know, even if you're not able to bring a uh, great showman or aren't interested in bringing great showman until it's more more ready, having you there be part of the community, we'd love to we'd love to have you there. So um, your your wife's going to be doing coding. You're going to continue doing wiring. Um, what do you have a target show that will be the first place that that you want to bring it, or maybe it's Expo twenty twenty four then. It would probably be Expo 2024 would be our, our goal. But we, again, we, we're not coders, so we right. really don't know what we're, we've gotten ourselves into. Well, uh, the, the, the nice thing about code is that once your, your mechanicals are done, you can keep making updates to it. You can keep refining it. You get folks to play it. You get them to try it. They tell you what they liked and they didn't like, and you can make updates to it. And then the nice thing about code is, it only has to be as complex as you want it. Like if this is a, you know, if this is a showpiece for you, if the greatest showman is a showpiece and a, 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 a gravity well of the, the craftsmanship and, and your, your work, it doesn't have to be the most, you know, the, the, the most complicated code in the world, as long as you and your wife are having fun playing it. Right. It's so um, funny too, because uh, when we first started this, I was talking with my wife. I said, okay, we need to, and I'm starting to work with uh, Jay French, the artist. I said, okay, we need to decide on some of the rules for, for the game. She's like, we don't need to do that. That's way down the line. We, what are you <laughs> talking about? I'm like, he's working on the artwork. I said, if a light comes on for extra or light comes on for, for, for anything, and it, it needs to say something there. So we have to at least come up with some of the rules because the play field needs to indicate that. Because, oh, yeah, I kind of get what you're saying now. I uh, talked to a person who's well-known, but I'm not going to say say who they are because I didn't tell that, that, that I would be bringing, bringing it up, um, in, the, in the custom community. 
Um, and they do custom rethemes re and restorations. And one of the things they said is that it's not just, it's exactly what you just said. It's not just about putting the art onto the machine, but um, really integrating the art with the theme, with the mechanics, with the game rules. Like there's a whole cycle there um, and they, they're all intertwined. And so you're, you're spot on at what you said. Um, we have we have another minute uh, left, and it, as parting words, um, is there anything you would say to somebody who wants to go down this journey, who has never done a, a, a pinball restoration or done 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 a custom? Any any advice, words of wisdom, or encouragement you would give? Just do your homework. Um, based on my own experience, you know, I I I worked my way up to it. I, I went from cleaning a game to shopping a game to restoring a game, to doing this and um, that knowledge has really benefited me um, I don't understand everything yet but there's a lot I do understand and having that background it has been huge so just be prepared that it's going to be more expensive and more time consuming than you imagine it's going to be. And and Jeffrey, based on your story, it's a journey as well. Um, it, I'm having fun. I'm really having fun. Yeah. Well, listen, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for sharing your, your amazing story and your amazing journey and tell your wife, like she's awesome. And, and, and I hope to, to have both you and her on the show as you make further progress. Sounds great. Thanks, Thanks Dan. Cheers. Thanks for joining the podcast. Thanks for listening, and I can't wait to see what you make.